This podcast is brought to you exclusively by the Reality Check Podcast Network. Hey everybody, this is Stan Wangland. And yes, you have turned, you have tuned in to The Correct Show. This is another show that I do with uh, Johnny Podcast, my son, the, uh, the, the big uh, kahuna for the Reality <laughs> Check Podcasting Network. And the name of our show here on Memorial Day weekend, uh, you guys will get this probably, you know, right before Memorial Day and we'll drop it right on, you know, right on you, man, like a bomb in World War II. Uh, this is Does Father Know Best? And I think this is our fifth show. It is. And and hey, I didn't I didn't let you come in yet, man. I'm doing the intro here. This is this is going to be a very antagonistic show because we already had like a big conversation here, which which we could have done a show on personally about when is enough enough with the pandemic. But we're not going to go there because him and I are going to get into a big goddamn fight. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be the Memorial Day meltdown. Oh man, it'll 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 be like going back in time. Uh, you know, we should have a, you know, I'll tell you the truth. We have a show planned for tonight, but one, write this down. You, We have to write down, uh, we should do a show on classic Stan stories and classic John stories. Maybe we could give one tidbit tonight. All right, I'm of down. A classic, uh, st- uh, of a classic story. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I got one for you for tonight. All that right. You can tell. But don't do it now, because we do our serious part of the show, and then uh, you tell you tell the story about Sergeant Switzer. <laughs> no, nah, I got another one to tell. You don't want to tell that one? How That's I another one for another <laughs> day. This one, I got a better one. Don't worry. All right. Okay, man. I got a better That's one. You That's all I'm going to say. This is Memorial Day weekend. This is a time for fun, and people have to get around the picnic table. And, jeez, uh, I hope you guys are going to do some shameless thing. I hope you listen to my story on my dear friend, you know, 53 years ago, buddy, uh, PFC William, uh, rather Jimmy Hickey, passed away, killed in Vietnam, 11 26, 1967. Did a tribute to him. Been carrying that, that, that sweetheart in my life all the time. 53 Memorial Days. And thank God for podcasting, Johnny, that we could do that. Yeah, it was a beautiful show, man. Yeah, it's uh, not saying that, but and, and check out his plaque on the wall, folks. And, 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 you know, just check him out. And I'm sure his family, you know, they probably have the number of hits or drop a comment or something like that. It's a long time ago, man. Guys get forgotten. But speaking about Memorial Day, it's a time for a lot of fun and everything else like that. And I know it's been real strange with the pandemic and everything. But I was telling John, you know, uh, we were talking about different things. I wonder what my father, John's grandfather and the people that I mentioned in that show on Jimmy from the Post and all the men that I knew that were World War II vets and even a couple of people who were Korean War vets. Now, keep in mind, I was I was born during the Korean War, right at the beginning, 1950. I actually saw people come home from the Korean War as a little boy, people who were shell-shocked, people who were burnt. Uh, we used to have a guy come to our house, Todd, that grandpa would, you know, from the VA. He was shot and he lost his eyesight. Uh, grandma went to the hospital once with the women's auxiliary and she had to come home. She was crying because all the guys were in a burn unit. I can't get on an elevator, had no face, you know, that kind of stuff from war. And 
I wonder what those guys would think of the government we have today, uh, the way we uh, celebrate Memorial Day or how we conduct ourselves with our military. Uh, you know, they might like certain elements of it. Uh, they, they, you know, what would they think of the Congress? What would they think of the people? What would they think of the commander in chief? What would they think of things uh, that we do today? Uh, would it be the same? Would it, you know, uh, you know, were they a different group of people or or, uh, you know, or were they very different? I mean, everybody, I was just telling my son, John, and then I'll flip over to you, John. You were in the military, you know, in a wartime situation. I was in during a wartime situation, but not involved in anything mm-hmm. that had to do with combat and reform. I mean, anything but, uh, you know, so I can't speak to that, uh, you know, kind of stuff. But, um, uh, you know, everybody thinks in World War II, uh, there were just, you know, everybody was volunteering and people, you know, and there were times there were a lot of volunteers. But 62% of the military, man, in World War II, were draftees. So you could get a guy with two PhDs in, uh, you know, in, in, in astrophysics, and, and he was a PFC. Are you still there, my friend? Oh, yeah, I'm still here. Oh, I'm sorry. You, you, your, uh, your thing blanked out there for a second. Oh, I'm so my, sorry. Video, my video cocked out for a yes, second. Yes, I'm sorry, guys. It's oh, it's okay. Little... You just, no, got, you just cool. got my icon up for a minute. <laughs> I got you. But uh, anyway, you know, people don't realize that. And, you know, during World War II, man, draft dodging was against the law. You used to have the cops come and the FBI come and trace you down, put the cuffs on you and bring you away because some people, want, you know, they didn't want to go over the Pacific and get killed by the Japanese or, or all that other kind of stuff. So it isn't quite like, uh, you know, what we think, maybe. And then again, it was quite different from today, at least from my experience. What do you think, John? What do you think about that? Do you, what, do you, what do you think that grandpa would think about what's going on today? You know, he was a really patriotic guy. And I do a lot of work with a lot of older veterans that are, were in the Korean War. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, World War II vets, unfortunately, are, are you don't see them barely ever anymore. Right. Um, you know, because they'd be in their hundreds. Um, and boy, what a treasure it was to speak with so many of them through the years and things like that, that when growing up as a kid, it's a shame that future generations won't get that opportunity, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Korea's is the net is, you know, the next war that you're seeing people that you can talk to, man, I'll tell you, what would they think of today and how we celebrate and what would they think of today's society? Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of times maybe in our society, I think they would be disappointed in the way things mm-hmm. have kind of come about because, there's a huge division and people are not on the same page. And unfortunately with politics and things that are going on in the world, I don't think the best interests of the people are being looked out for. And I think that's really different from their generations and how they grew up. And I'm not saying they weren't treated that way at all either, but I think a lot of the things that they fought for maybe are being overlooked at this point right now, all, all, all in general. And then I think how would they view maybe the holiday that we see is uh, I think it'd probably be the same thing to how they did certain, certain holidays later on, but it's a different generation. They didn't want to be there, but they had to be there and they had to do it, unfortunately. And that was a testament to people that, you know, had to do that had to make that choice to go and do it. I can't imagine what that was like being told that you have to go for you guys. Um, So I think a lot of times you saw that they would take it. They were very proud of it afterwards and their Mm -hmm. service and the things that they did. 
Um, but people who saw combat or lost people along the way, when we look at Memorial Day, this isn't Veterans Day. It's, you know, to memorialize people who are gone is I think it would sadden them, too. But I think I think people would want people to celebrate it the right way. And I, I think for the most part, you know, I think people would be kind of happy with that, that they're trying to enjoy their life and things like that, too. And uh, I think most people would really want that from somebody else more than anything is to mm-hmm. live their life in the best way they can. You know, that's that's what I'd like to think. You know, I think a lot of people romanticize World War Two, and you have to realize we didn't have the uh, um, the first war that you had any kind of real coverage on. What's going on? You have John Wanglin, one of the hosts of Wrestling With Reality. Check out our shows this week on Wrestling With Reality. We have some great shows. We have our MMA show. We look at is Khabib Namaga Madoff versus George St. Pierre a reality? Why John Jones is such a disgrace to the UFC? We also have on WCW Monday Nitro Watch Along, and we take a look back at Triple H in his 25-year career in the WWE. So check out Wrestling With Reality on all major podcast outlets. Did you really think it was just guys that like to discuss and analyze wrestling? I'm here to tell you there's a new chick in town. My name is Sunny Salem, and I am the host of That's What She Said. Get a female perspective of all the ins and outs of the wrestling business today. But don't worry, this isn't no prissy princess show. I hold nothing back. Check out That's What She Said on all major streaming platforms. Where the war was actually in your living room was Vietnam. Yeah, uh, that and that came in your living room every night like Donald Trump is. That was the narrative every day. And uh, you know how I was telling you before that people when pandemics end is when people say they end. Mm-hmm. It, it doesn't have to do with reality. It's just, they just say, I, I don't want to deal with this shit anymore. Come on. And it's the same way. I was looking at an article today on war. How do you know when a war is lost? I, I I love history, and you would think it's when the, the shit is bombed out of you, and, and the end is there, and you're saying, that, you know, everybody's surrounded us. Uh-uh. That's not, that's not how wars end. Wars end when the attrition is, you know, meaning the civilian population is so beaten down, the infrastructure is so destroyed, that you just don't have a will to fight anymore. And, and it's, it's like the Roberto Duran thing, and we did that show on it with the things yep, that are driving no us crazy. No mas. No more. I, I, you know, and, and that was in the Civil War. That's what General Sherman's strategy was. War as hell. He st- they still hate him in the South today. But wouldn't you know? that have held true, like during Vietnam, though, if that was the case with everything? And I agree with a lot of that perspective. Mm-hmm. But the Vietnam War went on for how many years? What, 13 years that it went on for? Uh, no, I think it, it looks like it's 13, but it wasn't. It was, uh, you know, 10,000 days or whatever it was. Uh, it. it there's a motorcycle in my neighborhood, folks, in case you hear that. <laughs> Jesus. Uh, but uh, I don't know how many years it was exactly, uh, but close to 10 years. Yeah. So, I, you know, 10 oh. years with it. Didn't people have enough of it at some point? You know, oh, the, yes. That, that a million America, times, but it never oh, has. Yes. Oh, yes. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, for, for people, if, if this is an interesting thing to talk about for our show, uh, you know, for folks, since it is Memorial Day, how do we know when a war is over, when people have had enough, uh, you know, all those kinds of things? How would people look at it differently? It was Walter Cronkite, the famous newscaster during the Tet Offensive mm-hmm. that uh, you, we had been involved for several years. And General Westmoreland and Lyndon Johnson got over a half a million troops there. 
and nothing was really uh, cooking. And you'd get this constant um, number of casualties start coming in all the time. And then they had the Tet Offensive and some things happen. And Walter Cronkite, the huge humanitarian, uh, rather the huge patriot, you know, he reported all of World War II, like Edward R. Morrow, you know, over in London, and bomber planes flying over Europe and shit like that. He was the most respected man in America, the most trusted man in America. Mm-hmm. And he said, he on the news, he said, we can't win this war. And that's when Lyndon Johnson decided he wasn't going to run for president. He spoke to Robert McNamara and he said, if Walter Cronkite says, I don't give a shit what the generals say, we can't. Because it was for the, the Vietnamese had been fighting for literally one, the French and before the French, other people. Yeah, they never stopped. They never stopped. And it was a guerrilla war uh, for them. This was their country. They could do this shit forever. No one. We've never won a guerrilla war with anybody. We didn't win in Iraq or Afghanistan. Wouldn't you agree with me? I would definitely agree with you. The Russians so- didn't. It bankrupted them. Yeah. Just, just have enough. And you say, that's it. We, or, or you just, uh, another technique is you declare yourself a winner. We won yeah. and our objectives. Trump did that with the Kurds. We did a good thing and we abandoned them and that, that's it. Fuck you. Goodbye. Yeah, we're gone. Adios. But uh, yeah, you know, uh, in World War II, people didn't see that. Uh, the, the papers, uh, you know, had a certain kind of propaganda to them. And uh it, it was really crucial at the end of the war to drop that atomic bomb and get on with it because the the, gov- the, the government in those days, we were running out of money. Mm-hmm. We didn't have any more money to fight that war. And you know something? We never went into debt over the war. In those days, the government would never go in the it would never go in the red. So they would have war bonds and they would have war drives and they everything. So the first war that ever went in the red was Vietnam. Can you believe that? That's interesting. Yeah, it is because interesting. The, way the, the 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 historical concept of how they have how they um, you know, portrayed World War II to the people was that they were going broke on it, you know, and all these things. Mm-hmm. And like you said with the war bonds, tell people who don't know what a war bond is, what a war bond actually is, because a lot of people well, might not know this. Well, a war bond is where you, it's it's like uh, like when you get a treasury bond. What you're doing is you're you're buying a bond from the government to to fund the war. And it has a, you know, it has a like a, a life of however many months or years or whatever, and you can cash it in. What do you think ever happened to that for people? What do you mean, whatever happened to it? Like, did they get their money back from it? Oh, I don't think there was any problem with war bonds or anything else like that. No, the government never reneged on anything else like that. Um, you know, uh, that, that that I'm aware of, I I, I can't speak with, uh, you know, any. Um, certainty on that but no that was never a problem in the war as a matter of fact uh we had the war actually helped the united states economy because the united states was in a tremendous uh depression and uh you know until yep. until the stuff that we have nowadays with this crazy out of control spending uh but that's what that's what helped the economy out like uh, crazy i'll never forget my father being very mad had many people in the neighborhood that owned homes or different things like that because while he was drafted and he had three kids and he was away, other people had no children or they were in different circumstances. They weren't drafted and they were working in war industries where they were making like money for overtime, hand over fist, Mm -hmm. and they were getting great war wages. 
they weren't like you know, like you know you you weren't being paid less or anything else like that. You, you, business was booming. Business was booming, you know. So it was a uh, it was a uh, you know it was a different thing. Now what was, was what was like what was it like for you as a kid though? Like with uh, with like Memorial Day and things like that. Like what? How did you celebrate it as a kid? You know what if it with me <laughs> it transitioned. I was, a, you know, as a boomer, <clears throat> I transitioned from the golden period, and it really was the, the height of America. It was in the 1950s. Mm-hmm. America wasn't a world power until uh, it, it wasn't a number one world power until after World War II, and from that period, from I would say from let's say 1945, 46 on, until. I don't know, probably about 1962, 1963, uh, America was, was just it. I mean, we used to laugh when we were a kid. If, we, if, you, if you got anything that said made in Japan, it was shit. It was junk. I mean, it, you know, you wouldn't get anything from China. Everything was made in the USA, made in the USA, made in the USA. You know, General Electric, uh, you know, uh, everything, Alcoa, aluminum, U.S. Steel, everything, all the car companies. All the big cars with the big fins and everything else like that. The bigger the car, the better. I mean, I lived through that. Mm-hmm. As a matter of fact, when I was a, a little kid, um, you know, if I'm answering the question, that's when President Eisenhower, who was the Supreme Allied Commander, became president uh, in 1950 uh, or 1952. Uh, you know, it went, and Harry Truman left, and he built the interstate system that we have right now, the interstate highway system. And I was there as a kid, and that was a big deal for us to get on the interstate and go for a ride. Wow! My my father had a big DeSoto. Uh, it was it was like um, a Chrysler with the big uh, friggin' wings that looked like it looked it looked exactly like a Batmobile with the big wings in the back. And I'll never forget it. It was a salmon coral color with white. Uh, you know, in uh, the the paneling and everything else like that, and then this coral color, these big friggin' wings. Huge. You, you could fit eight, 10 people in the car. Jesus. And, uh, you know, you drive, you know, shit, man, we drive and all the, the interstate highway, man, was amazing. And people would stop and there'd be all kinds of little restaurants and stops on the interstate. And it would actually, the, the roads would all be painted. It would, you know, have this beautiful red, white, and blue things. And it would say interstate 85, interstate 66, whatever. And, uh, what's his face? Um, Eisenhower built that to, so that, and uh, after the, you know, after the war, they, they wanted to have a system where people could tra- traverse America quickly and efficiently if there was ever another war and were ever attacked. Huh. So people don't even realize that. So that's interesting. The, the transition stuff, if I'm not boring you with it. No, the no, absolutely not. I've heard today, uh, The transition was when I was a little boy, people were very pro-America in America. You were just as proud as a peacock to everybody. Everybody played soldier. That's all I did was play soldiers. Every toy was a soldier. Every show was combat. Every every gun uh, that you know, we bought guns like crazy, like toy guns from Mattel mm-hmm. and everything. I had a submachine gun that you know that you you screwed up the thing and we put caps in it and it fired like a machine gun. And everything was that. It was Davy Crockett. It was everything was militaristic. Everything was America. Everything were American heroes, um, you know, from, you know, from uh, the Revolutionary War to World War II. 
Every new show was a, a war show or a Western. Everything was pro-America. And then uh, Memorial Day would be celebrated like a big deal. There'd be Memorial Day you know, services. That I, I can remember seeing General Eisenhower, President Eisenhower on TV, uh, where he revisited um, uh, Normandy, where D-Day uh, you know, invasion was held. And that's where he coined the warning of the uh, military-industrial complex. He warned Americans about what we have now. Oh, yeah, because he knew how it was all. He, he thought it was the worst thing. He said, I'll never forget. It was on television. He says, it's, it's a failure of our system. And he, he would remind people that every tank cost as much as a school. And every battleship was X amount of hospitals. And you shouldn't be spending all. We shouldn't be working to be part of that military industrial complex. And he knew all the waste that was involved in it and the waste of war. That war, you know, is a waste. It's, it, it, you know, it, people do heroic things, they do great things, but it's a waste. But when I was a kid, we glorified war. We glorified it. And uh, you know, that was a carryover from World War II, and all the, all the movies were propaganda movies. You know, to keep people fired up. Keep all them the all supportive over it and everything? Excuse me? Like to keep them supportive over it, so they, that's oh, why you yeah. think a propaganda movie. Oh. Oh, yeah, there's a famous picture. I, I told people at work to watch it. You, you, you can watch it anytime. I hope the audience watches. It's the most famous movie of World War II, and probably very few people have seen it. It's one of my favorites. Uh, Ramon saw it, and your mother saw it, too. And I never forget, cried her eyes out. It's called The Fighting Sullivans. And it's about the five Sullivan brothers, uh, which is a true story. It's kind of like Saving Private Ryan. It's with very famous actor Thomas Mitchell and all these other famous actors. And the five brothers uh, joined the Navy, and they were all assigned to the same ship. And the ship was uh, sunk, and all five of them died hmm. on the same ship. And because of that, they enacted the Sullivan Law, where, you know, no brothers can, you know, they can't be assigned to the same sh ship or the same field of battle or so many people in a family can be in a combat zone at the same time. So you don't wipe out a whole family. But the movie was made and it's it, it has very little to do with the military, but it has a lot to do with this Irish family, the Sullivans. And it's, you know, with all these famous actors and they're just portrayed as just the most wonderful salt of the earth. And you see all their loyalty, how they grow up as kids and their father, you know, works as a conductor on the local, uh, you know, uh, train and all that kind of stuff like that. And then they get killed, you know, and you see that in the thing, you know, almost towards the end of the movie. Well, Americans were infuriated when they saw this. They literally walked out of the movie and they had more enlistments the next day than they could handle. It was the wow. single largest day of enlistments because they get fired up. So all the famous movie directors that we know today, like John Huston, uh, you know, or famous people of the time, Frank Capra and everything. They would um, they would make movies why we fight this war or Gregory Peck made the famous movie Twelve O'clock High about the uh, Air Force. You know, it's like you've seen the movie Memphis Bell, right? Oh, absolutely, great movie. Yeah, well, the pilots, uh, you know, pilots bombardiers in particular, uh, they it's where me as a psychologist, that's where we learned to to find out a lot about anxiety because pilots were the most heroic guys ever, the bombardier pilots, but through most of the war, uh, they never got to like the 12th or 15th mission. They were dead, 70, 80% of them. Yeah, did they only so, have to do like 20 missions or something? Uh, it was 22. 
to the best of my knowledge, or 22 or 25, and they finally settled on that when they had different fighter escorts and things like that. But it was the, the military had to define what they called a maximum effort. What was a mat? How much could a guy take? And they were done. That was it. That was they were done for the war. No more after that. Twenty-five missions. You know, many people flew more missions, but they had a volunteer for that. But uh, th- there was only one worse, uh, one worse um, branch in either side of the military, and those were the. I think you've heard me say this a million times. The German submariners. Oh yeah, Absolutely. they had like a loss rate of about nine out of ten. So it was like a death sentence. And they were all volunteers. Imagine signing up knowing that. Yeah, well, see, people were very, uh, you know, a lot of people were very patriotic. And what people don't realize about Memorial Day here is that many people referred to World War II as Mr. Roosevelt's War. There was a huge uh, number of people in our country that we called the Fifth Column. Mm-hmm. People who, you know, were had relatives or came from Europe themselves that, you know, were of German descendants or, you know, were firm believers in, in, in the Nazi party or Mussolini. They thought that was a good thing, just like uh, people here now think that, you know, make America great. There was a whole thing through Europe due to instability of uh, countries that were dying in the Depression and these authoritarian crazy rulers came to be. Kind of like uh, Boris Johnson and the uh, you know the leader of Brazil now, the guy in the Philippines, uh, you know the guy in Turkey, Trump. All those guys are very authoritarian. They're very mm-hmm. different leaders because of all the geopolitical, uh, you know, financial instability that's been in the world, and and the stuff, quite frankly, from the Middle East. So, yeah, when I was, you know, up until the Vietnam War, yeah, everybody was very militaristic. Everybody was waving flags and all that shit. Then Vietnam came in your in your living room. And what you saw was basically a lot of people that were drafted and, uh, you know, that really didn't want to be there. And uh, it was a whole other generation of people, who, you know, they didn't want any fucking part of that. But even when it wasn't something that was popular, like today, you look at it, it, it's like people are more supportive typically to veterans than they were back then. You know, like how was it during the Vietnam War for veterans on like a Memorial Day or just in general? How was Memorial Day celebrated during a war that was so unpopular when veterans were looked at in a very shitty way back then? People were shitty to them. Are you interested in spirituality and the paranormal? Do you enjoy having conversations about social issues and current events with a balanced and spiritual perspective? Are you intrigued by ancient prophecies and mysteries of the past or just unraveling modern-day conspiracy theories? If so, I would like to invite you to come on a journey with me on my show, The Spirit Side, available on all the major podcast platforms. I'm Paul James Caden, and I hope to see you there. Hey everyone, this is Stan Wangler from Just Thinking. Stop on by this week and listen to some of the great podcasts we have lined up for you. Two in particular are really good shows. One is called Are We Driving Ourselves Insane? Well, are we? And the next one is called Have You Been Having a Bad Day? Did You Have a Bad Day? Well, if you did, this is the show for you. And I bet you, when you get done listening, you'll feel a lot better. So join us. Yeah.
People were shitty to them. Uh, some people were nice, but they were the closest one that I can see that uh, makes a lot of sense. And it always makes me cringe is uh, Tom Cruise in Born on the Fourth of July. Oh, yes. When he gets, you know, he gets his ass shot off there and he's crippled and then they suit him up with his with his Marine uniform on. Yeah. And wave him around the parade. And yeah. And, you know, there's there's exactly what I'm trying to say. What a great question, because uh, right before that, before Vietnam, everybody loved the parade. Right. They would have the, yeah. you know, the, the girl in there and the guys from World War Two. I mean, you got a picture World War Two. People were fighting Hitler. I mean, you know, people were, uh, you know, the Japanese were just terrible. I mean, you, you know, you want to, I, I, I hope people who are Japanese, of Japanese descent don't get mad at me, but they'll have to. I mean, they were dreadful in China and, and the things that they did, they were horrific, horrific, uh, a, a really war criminal type of military, uh, you know, regime, as were the Germans. Uh, and I'm German. So uh, and Swedish. So I, I'd like to tell you that it wasn't, but they were terrible. And of course, Mussolini's army and stuff like that. Now, you have to picture with Vietnam. Vietnam didn't bomb us. They didn't invade us. Mm-hmm. They power like Hitler or or the Japanese Empire or anything else like that. We went over there and got involved with them to to satisfy our you know, political interests or economic interests or whatever the hell it was. So when people are seeing people coming home, getting their ass shot off and everything else like that. It's in your tell it's in your, it's in your um, TV every day. Well, they started uh, getting a very negative uh, feeling about not only the government, but a very negative feeling about the military. And then it wasn't, um, you have to picture a lot of people who weren't in military situations. Their understanding of the military was what they saw in a John Wayne movie. Yeah. It was a fantasy. Yeah. It's a fantasy. It's like anything else. Yeah. And, uh, that's the first thing that you learn, you know, no matter what it is, whether you're in a war or not. I mean, uh, I'll never forget when I, I've told you this a million times. I, I didn't want to spend one extra second in the military. And when I was on the uh, rifle range, I was really uh, quite a quite a shot, man. I, I, you know, to the point where I, I got a pass for, you know, mm-hmm. being such a, a, a great shot. For the company, meaning another guy. And that, that's just true. It's just, I, you know me, I love weapons. I love things that blow up and shoot and whatever. And I had more fun with that. I just liked the weapons a lot because uh, they were a toy for me. And I'm shooting there one day, and I, I, I don't know, uh, I can't remember. It was one of the really long targets. I think it was that they had. I think it was 300 meters mm-hmm. mistaken. And, uh, you know, you had like uh, 25 meters, you had 75 meters, 150 to whatever it was, 300. Then you had a 600 meter half silhouette or full silhouette that was out there. Anyway, I'm sitting and I'm shooting that goddamn thing and boom, 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 this silhouette's going down. And 300 meters, a lot of, that's a lot of meters, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a long way with, a, with a, a, you know, an M16. And, uh, you know, it has that distinct sound and that distinct smell. And, uh, you know, even when it runs out, it has that, that clink at the end. And it, when it's the last round, and it clink. you know, it's just it's hot brass coming out and everything else from that. And I enjoyed it. And I had an epiphany. And I said, holy shit, man. Here I am. Uh, a few weeks ago, my mother was making my bed. <laughs> and here I am with a goddamn M16 and 300 meters away. I'm one guy and I'm going boom, boom, boom. I'm hitting these things. 
I said, what if I was walking through a rice paddy and there were 15, 20 well-trained soldiers, right? Yeah. And they all had AK-47s, which were, you know, pretty much just the same as that weapon, better in some ways. What are the odds of me getting picked off? Pretty fucking high, man. Pretty, pretty really, really fucking high. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and and that's when I said to myself, you know, I said, man, if, if I if I ever get an MOS of infantry, I'm I'm going to go to Ranger School or Airborne School. And people said, what? You hate the military? I said, yeah, but I like living more. And you yeah, know, at I least you're going to surround yourself with the most highly trained people. Yeah, I said, what do you think I want to be with a bunch of jackasses like all of you? <laughs> <laughs> I said, that's a, I'm serious. It's like my show that I do. You know, live life like a card counter. You know, the, the people during that particular war, you know, were not PhDs coming in. They were basically middle class people, blue collar people or poor people of color. And a few other people that just got drafted from wherever. And, you know, World War Two was different. There were guys who were PFCs who had a PhD. Yeah. You know, so it, it was it, it was a, it was a different thing, and you know, now I, I don't know. Do, do we get off into like crazy war stories? No, or, absolutely not, because it, I, I think it, it fits in perfectly to what the topic about Memorial Day was, and how yeah. different times we've seen things throughout society, you know, yeah. throughout the time frames, how it was celebrated, how people were viewed in these in these my in these times. My father was a member of the Legion and uh, American Legion, for those of you who might be in other countries listening to this, that's a veterans organization. Um, it's like the Veterans of Foreign Wars was very big in the United States. And the one that my dad belonged to was a huge American Legion in Brooklyn. And uh, th they had thousands of members. They were very politically connected. Uh, and I mean, they had people who were... Supreme Court judges, they had people who were street sweepers. If you, you, you had fought in a war or you were in the military, you know, the Legion was a was a was a big brotherhood for a lot of people. It was a social thing. It was a it was a thing that, you know, could do a lot of things for you. But tying it into Memorial Day, my God, on Memorial Day, the, the, the Legion would have all the honor guards going out and they would go to all the um, they would go to all the cemeteries. In Brooklyn, you know, in our area, mm -hmm. they would coordinate with other posts. And on Memorial Day, they would, uh, you know, have ceremonies. All they would make sure that there were flags planted on all veterans' graves, and then they would uh, have the guys, you know, give them a, a you know, a seven-gun salute. Wow. Yeah, not a twenty-one gun salute, but yeah, they would go there and they would, you know, go to a section and you know, boom, do the thing and boom. And march around. They would do that all day long. Then, you know, then they would have, uh, you know, Memorial Day uh, speakers, usually congressmen, uh, representatives, you know, somebody from uh, uh, the local politics in the area uh, and stuff like that. Or somebody who was thinking of running for office. It was uh, it was a big day that I recall that all changed with Vietnam. Nobody. Yeah. Knew. How long did it take to really come back to that where it was celebrated again? I never saw it celebrated again a lot like that. Uh, the, the, the thing that changed that, <clears throat> started changing it, was uh, with Reagan. And uh, I think Reagan was the president when he did Grenada. Okay. 
and he had that little, you know, piss-ass country, and uh, he went in there, and we had a little success. I mean, we couldn't do a goddamn thing right with the military. The military was a complete, you know, like when Jimmy Carter sent that aborted raid into um, Iran to get the captives over there. It was such a, a fuck-up. It was ridiculous. But, it, you know, and before that, it was the military was in pretty good shape with uh, President Kennedy and everything else like that. But then after after Vietnam, it really, really toned down. And nobody wanted anything to do with the military. And, you know, the country was broke from it. And they, they were sick of war. And uh, the Grenada things started people on the comeback. But then the stuff that started making us real militaristic, man, oh, man, was uh, the old Bush uh, with Operation Desert Storm. And oh, yeah, the 100-hour war, baby. And, baby, let me tell you, everybody was i know i was i mean i was as proud as a peacock and for those of you listening to this show if you want to see a great youtube video go look at general schwarzkopf's famous one and a half hour briefing on the iraqi war where he outlines uh, i saw that live and you looked at that and you said man i don't you know because all we were hearing was the elite republican guard and people were worried what was going to happen to the you know, the troops Saddam Hussein have been you know, just got done fighting a seven year war with Iran and, and basically won that war with weapons from us. You know, and uh, man, it was, uh, you know, we're going to be able to pull this off. And holy shit, the Schwarzkopf, Colin Powell, uh, all those guys, Tommy Franks, you know, who got his uh, extra star from that. And we were at Tommy Franks Museum, as you well know. We saw, yeah, remember we saw the actual battle plans? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I used to do work for Tommy Franks. What's that again? I used to do work for Tommy Franks. Yeah. Yep. I used to do his uh, charity run every year. Yeah. Amazing, huh? Yeah. Uh, you remember when we actually saw the, the actual battle plan that he had? Yeah. And the Wild stuff, and man. Everything? Yeah. Uh, unbelievable. Uh, let me tell you, the military was back, Jack. Based on that. And then, uh, then uh, George Bush... Junior, after the tragedy of uh, 9-11, uh, when they did the, uh, I can remember watching that shit with shock and awe, right? And saying, holy Jesus. Yeah, they blew yeah. their asshole through their elbows. Oh, man, man that, that, that shit, you know. And uh, then everything was Lee Greenwood and, uh, you know, America, America. America. Yeah, and I'm not making fun of that, but... Our military also went through a tremendous change, and it went from being a military where people were in some people enlisted, but the majority of people were conscripted. And it was originally uh, starting in the 70s, I think in the early 80s, it was called Volar. Volunteer Army is where it started, not with the Air Force first, it was Volar. See, I bet you didn't know that. So go check it out. And Volar was like, a lot of the people in the military said, I don't know if that's ever going to work. We always need drafted people. And I saw G. Gordon Liddy, the uh, famous, uh, one of the Watergate burglars at St. John's University. And, you know, it's always portrayed as a nut. It's anything but, very bright guy. And I'll never forget what he said. Somebody asked him a question and he said, uh, take a look at the old um, films of people in World War II. Look at the faces on the soldiers in World War II, and then look at the faces of the soldiers in Vietnam and see if you notice anything different. And I would ask you to do the same thing there, John. 
take a look and look at the faces. And what you'll see is <laughs> pretty crystal clear. Most of the people in World War II looked a lot more intelligent because they were a wide group of people. They were a, a random sample of Americans because they were drafted. So you didn't have one group of people. When you look at the people in Vietnam, by and large, you saw an officer's, uh, you know, an officer's club, uh, you know, a bunch of West Pointers or ROTC people. And, you know, they didn't have a fucking clue how to run that war. They didn't have a clue. And the rest of the people were just people of a certain class and a certain socioeconomic status. Mm hmm. So it's quite different. So Memorial Day was, uh, you know, uh, quite different in that period again. But when we came back with this volunteer military, then uh, the model came in where we pay this now this great respect to the military. As a matter of fact, I think it's an overreaction, an overcompensation where every, you know, I was in Agway the other day and uh, they have a military discount on there or something like that. And you evidently signed up for it with mom. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a veteran anyway. I guess I could do it also. But who would do that? You know, my you know, who gives a shit? Mm -hmm. stuff like that. But uh, the person says, uh, oh, and John. <laughs> it's really funny. And I'm just sitting here. I, I didn't know she had that account with you. And I said, oh, yeah, that's that one. And she said, and she says, oh, John's the guy in the military. And, you know, my name is Stan, obviously, not John. I said, okay. And I'm not ripping anybody off. You know, I'm eligible for it, too. But uh, I didn't sign up. It's under your thing. But uh, I'm so not going to lie. I didn't even know your wife signed up under my name either. <laughs> oh, okay. I, I thought you were there with me. I might have. I have no idea. Maybe yeah, I remember you were there shit. with us, and you said, go ahead and do it. But I, I but might have. I don't know, man. She's a shifty lady, though. We all know she, that about, she, mom, about mom. She could be, man, getting that thing. So she's she's to blame for this then. Anyway, this is, here I am. I'm a 70-year-old guy, and, and, a, and a, a woman turns around. She says, and thank you for your service. <laughs> <laughs> You know, oh. and it's like it's like these guys that do the right thing where they go and you know, like people walk around and they have like military uniforms on and they never served in the military. Oh, yeah. The they uh, yeah, they, the uh, the fake uh, the fake. Uh, what do they call it? Um, I don't know why um, I'm blanking on this right now, but the people who take the uh, stolen valor. Yeah. Stolen valor. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know why I'm blanking on that. Stolen valor. God, those videos are great. Yeah, like people have to talk me into taking any kind of valor, and I'll say, I don't have any, I didn't do anything, which I didn't. I didn't do anything of any valor in the military. I, I, not not one thing. No, zero, zero. I, I'd like to tell you for Veterans Day that, you know, thank me. Um, you know, I, no. I, was, no, no, I didn't, you know, I, I served some time, a minimal amount, uh, you know, and everything else like that. And uh, it was the most minimalistic kind of a thing. Although I have to tell you, if I could go back in time as an adult like now, I would have a ball. Just for a, a couple of weeks, I would give anything to see those guys again and smell the stupid mess hall and, uh, and uh, you know, just experience some of that stuff, which was actually good for me in a way. Uh, and certainly got me out of my comfort zone uh, and introduced me to a whole different world of people and, um, you know, different experiences and, and, and all those kinds of things. So, uh, you know, uh, 
you know, Memorial Day. It's 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 in a different place now. It's it ties into that show I did. Thank you for your service. I think people today, 80 percent of Americans between 17 and 24. I have this statistic. Are not eligible for military service. Can you fucking believe that? That's interesting. I, I know that there's uh, all kinds of numbers that say that people that the level of people who are not mentally, physically, or psychologically fit is in there. It's huge. That you, I would you believe have, that. I would believe that a thousand percent. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, what's the basic amount of like push-ups or you know pull-ups that you have to do? It's not much. It's um, it's usually with weights and your body statures. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean the the initial requirements to get in now are 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 not that difficult in regards to a testing or anything like that. It, it's they're very selective over who they bring in now. Yeah, but you look at people. Uh, most people are terribly out of shape. Obesity is a problem with people. They don't do any physical exercise. And a lot of people are very, very physically and emotionally inept. I, uh, ladies and gentlemen, I love people and I love all the people in the audience, but I can only tell you what I know as a psychologist. You, if All you have to do is, if you don't believe me, go into the supermarket and stand and look for a can of beans and see if anybody stands behind you and say, excuse me. <laughs> That's true. No, people, it's like people have they'll autism. Just, they'll just run you over instead of saying, excuse me. No, or they won't say anything and they'll just wait there. It's like, you know, they're, they're afraid to, to, to say things. So, yeah, the thank you for your service thing is that you have vast numbers of people. Uh, they don't give a shit about Memorial Day. If there's some kind of uh, thing that they can do, uh, some kind of a ritual or, you know, a feel good thing or whatever. It's like the thank you for your service. Nobody does that to, to, to be unkind. That people think they're being kind and grateful to you, uh, but they're they're really saying, in my opinion, most people are really saying, "Hey, thanks for doing that. I don't have to do it. Thanks mm-hmm. a lot." And I think that's a bad thing. Now, when I was a young guy and I was eligible to be drafted, no, I I, I would have you know I, I would have liked somebody to say thanks for your service and. Or want to, you know, share the draft with me or something like that. But no, nobody wanted to do that either. You know, less than World War II, I would guess. So, you know, our show is Generations. My, 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 how things have changed. We like a winner, but we view our military like we view a sporting team. Yeah, they, they, they equate the we to it all the time. Yeah. We kicked ass. Yeah. No, you didn't kick ass. <laughs> yeah. Like, it's like with the sports team. Like, and I'm a big sports fan. We all, you know, all are. We we did it. We did it. No, we didn't do it. They did it. <laughs> yeah, you, you've heard you you've heard me say that your entire life. Uh, you might. Yeah, um, I firmly agree with it. I hope my good buddy John Leshock is listening to because he stopped doing that after he was with me for a while, as I recall. Because he would say that, and he'd say, "We beat him. We got you guys." And I'd say, "Really? You did? What happened? You're not a psychologist anymore on my team? What the fuck are you playing for the for the, the, the those fucking?" Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Those fucking Phillies. <laughs> oh you know, shit! I, there's only one team I hate more than <laughs> hate more than the Phillies. That's the Red Sox. <laughs> you know, Red Sox are a good team, but uh, yeah, whatever. But uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I never knew what the big issue was with that because I was never a fanatic about baseball until I got older, and and then once I watched. 
uh, a consistent number of games. What a bunch of scumbags. <laughs> I'm sorry. You know, I'm not going to lie, though. Your, your Yankees are a bunch of scumbags, too, man. Whatever, man. Uh, they are too. And I, I'm, I'm being a, I'm being an unbiased source here. How can you be unbiased? <laughs> You're a Met fan, man. I am a Met fan, but you know, I guess I got no, I got no uh, stake in the game there. I got no dog in the show. You know, I got to be honest, man. Cause I don't like the Yankees. I don't like the, I don't like the Red Sox. I'm not like a supporter of them. You know, the Red Sox are what they are at times. They're a scummy team. Sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, Yanks ain't much different, man. <laughs> But, I don't know about that, but uh, you know we're on the military kind of thing here. Uh, I don't know how we're doing on time with our show here. Oh, we we got as much time as we want. But uh, you know, in in the military, I know you were in the Air Force, and I was in the Army. I know if you're in the Marines, not there's not a goddamn uh, branch of the service that holds any <laughs> any any light to you. <laughs> Everybody's a, a nobody if you're a marine. So let's. Oh yeah, them, everybody else is. So, man. so let's put them out of the. Uh, let's put them out of the equation. Um, I would think that the, the next one that comes after that is the army. Uh, that that people in the army feel that hey man, I always thought if you were a marine when I was in the army that you're you're a head case man, you know that you were a loose cannon, and I was right because that's what they're primarily looking for. Bottom line is uh, you know somebody who is uh, you know follows orders but you know, is reckless at the same time and all kinds of things. They look for a certain personality type, very compliant person. But these uh, views reflect Stan Wanglin and not John <laughs> Wanglin. <laughs> you throw that out there right now. I get enough heat from people for random wrestling shit. These views reflect Stan Wangland and not John Wangland. Uh, now, wait a second. Now, I'm not saying I don't value the Marines if I was a military commander, which I would love to be. I, that's the way you want them. You, you, These you views reflect Stan Wangland, yes. not John. Here's the other thing. The, the Navy is a bunch of technicians. The Navy is all technical for the most part, you know, and then a lot of other people, do, you know, just keeping that ship running or doing the day-to-day operations because it's just, you know, it's, it's a city uh, at sea, whether it's a small ship or whatever. And that's a whole other animal, man, of hot racking and weirdness that you don't even want to get me started with, with the Navy. I don't know how anybody does the Navy. And then you have the Air Force. And the Air Force is like everybody knows, whether you're in the Army, the Marines are the same. You know, they're a bunch of goddamn wimps. <laughs> they're hey, a bunch those are of my people, all right? What's that again? Those are my people, man. I know they're your people, but it's like, hey, man, you don't want to go in a shootout with anybody from the Air Force. You know? Yeah. Now, and with the Army now, with the Army, the with the Army, that's your basic grunt. That the army is, you know, they have the Rangers, they have the special forces, they have all other kinds of shit, uh, you know, all kinds of, you know, their own kinds of deals, just like the Marines have or the Navy has. Everybody has their subunits, you know, the SEALs and all that shit. But your meat and potato infantrymen, that's the army. That's the army. I'm, I'm sure it still is the army. And, uh, you know, a lot of the jobs, you know, you find out that people, you know, they live, die, and it's about Memorial Day and the service we're talking about. In generations, you wonder and you say, what the hell did I just do for two or four or six years? You know, what What the hell did I join the, the artillery for? Like, you know, when, you know, think of getting up in the morning and saying, what am I going to do today? Well, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to, you know, fire off some fucking rounds out in the field. <laughs> 
or clean a cannon or what, what am I going to do when I retire? Get a job, uh, you know, shooting puff rice or something like that. I mean, what do you do with stuff like that? I don't know. I went to school and I was in man at the end finally. And uh, thankfully for that, because there, they were, there wasn't much that, you know, trained me to do on my first job until I went and right. got my higher education and stuff. Sure. And that's not but saying they, there's a lot of jobs that are of value. That oh, yes. In the military. And, and a lot of them are hard to get and, and, and very desirable. Uh, and very, very desirable. Uh, you know, that uh, you can get some great training uh, that you couldn't get anywhere else. Because the military is its own world. They have their own bases, their own cities, their own logistics, their own way of doing things uh, and stuff like that. And uh, it, it's, a, it's a very it, – man, you, you talk about the bureaucracy. They're not shitting you when they say there's the right way, the wrong way, and whatever branch you're in, then there's the Army way or there's the Air Force way. Am I right or wrong on that one? You still with me there, Grunt? <laughs> oh, sorry, man. My my mic that my mic hit there for a second. No, no, you're absolutely correct on that. Um, you follow a set of you follow what you're told to do. There's not a democracy when it comes to a chain of command and what you're told. Yeah. If you're the low man on the totem pole, and uh, the boss tells you to do something, and the boss is higher ranking than you, then you're going to do it. You know, I'm not not saying that you can't talk with them about it afterwards, but at the time is. You better follow and be compliant with what people tell you to do. And that's where a lot of people can't handle the military. I don't know. I always loved the military. I thought it was a great time that I was in. I never had a problem in it. No, I, I didn't either. As a matter of fact, I just didn't want to be in it. But I but I have to tell you, I do romanticize it now. And I romanticized it very rapidly when I got out of it. And I don't mean to like tell stories to people that I, I realized that it was a very important thing. And I do think it, it can um, that service like that for your country. I did not feel that way at the time when I was a young man. I didn't feel like getting Shanghai for two years or anything else like that. And that's that's what a draft is like. It's like getting Shanghai. It's like being put in a press gang, you know, uh, and somebody says, well, that's it, you know, and you say, well, and, and you don't get to choose where you what you're going to do or what your field is going to be. So it does. It feels like, you know, just what I said, a press gang, you know, but uh, when you look back on it, or I, I think if you're a reasonable person, it does teach you very many valuable skills about getting along with other people, what you're capable of doing, seeing the world, seeing how a big, huge, dangerous bureaucracy works. Uh, and uh, it can be very enlightening. And then in the case of a, a person like uh, my good buddy, Jimmy Hickey, that I did the show on, it can also get your ass killed in a real hurry. So, you know, it's uh, you got to be uh, you have to be really responsible who you take into it and, uh, you know, train people very well and, uh, you know, make sure that the right people are involved in that. Because if you have a bad actor in the military, people get hurt. You know, oh, absolutely. That's the truth. Man. I, and I think that's why they're so selective now with who goes in and, yes. you know, the, the criteria because you have to be. Oh, yeah, you really have to be. And it's it's one of those things that has vastly changed throughout the years. Yeah. Do you think that anybody, you know, getting back to the original point of the show, do you think that anybody that, you know, uh, and you work for a veterans organization, are, are people when they celebrate Memorial Day, are they really getting into the spirit of Memorial Day or just that it's a holiday weekend? 
I think first thing is most people don't even know what Memorial Day really is. They think it's Veterans yes. Day. That's exactly right. You know, so I, I first off, I throw that out there. Uh, no, you know, I, I I don't think most people care. Yeah. And yeah. they say they do, but they don't. And it, that's not to denounce anybody or to make them feel bad. You know, I'm not saying that but I don't think they care because it goes back to what you were saying earlier. I think with a lot of things is I didn't have to do it. So good. How many people want to sign up for that? You know, not many people. How many people want to do some of those jobs? Not many people. Um, there's only 1% of the population that serves for a reason, mm-hmm. you know, and it's not saying it's because they're elite, which is what they want to put you in all the time. It's yeah, whether, whatever your reasons may be for doing it, you know, now what we look at it is, you know, people signing up, what are your reasons for, for joining? Some people want travel. Some people want to serve. Most people want college or they want to try to find something different. A very small percentage of people when they sign, sign because of patriotism. Yeah. It's not. It's not what it is. It's not, that's not what it is. So people don't want to do it, you know, in general. So I don't think people understand Memorial Day. And I think they think it's like a celebration to veterans when the the thing is, it's not, you know, it's to celebrate the, the brave men and women who gave their life, you know, for their country. And that's what it really is. Mm-hmm. So I, I definitely, yeah, I think, I think it gets lost in the shuffle with people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and, you know, uh, just going full circle, the guys that I met who were the World War II guys that were in the Legion when I started, uh, excuse me, talking about this topic tonight. When I look back on those guys, it's like watching the show Band of Brothers or the Pacific Mm -hmm. because uh, I mentioned them. I mentioned those same guys in my show on uh, Jimmy Hickey. Uh, because they they were the guys who ran the Sea Scouts. Those were the guys who ran the 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 Boy Scouts. Those were the guys who had the parks built in the neighborhoods in, in Brooklyn. Uh, they were all World War II veterans or Korean War veterans, and they wanted to bring home something good. They, they saw terrible places and terrible things, and they wanted to make sure America was good for their kids. They wanted to, you know, uh, you know, maybe have a, a, a get a car, a nice car, maybe buy a little home maybe go on vacation for a couple of weeks a year. They didn't want much, but their world was threatened and they had to give their lives for a world where somebody was trying to, a world war to invade their country, to come in and and take over. And when we look at the way that uh, politicians and our president acts today, or uh, even that uh, scumbag General Flynn, who, you know, had somewhat of an illustrious career and then, then, then his true colors shown, uh, through with his really awful behavior, uh, things like that. Uh, I know those guys like the back of my hand. I mean, I worked as a waiter with those guys when I was a young man going through college. These, you know, that's how these guys made part-time money. I smoked cigarettes with them. I drank beer with them. Uh, you know, after I grew up and I was a young man, they would never tolerate. They would be humiliated. Uh, if they ever saw a commander in chief uh, act the way that uh, they acted or see anybody praise our enemies and adversaries. Can, can you imagine grandpa and, and the guys that I tell you about? These guys hit the beach. Not my father, but uh, Mr. Ballard and Mr. Howard and, and the Orifice brothers and Bill McGarrigle. All the these fucking guys got a landing craft. These, these guys were combat infantrymen, Normandy. 
you know, Italy, North Africa, South Pacific. Jeez, the uh, polyorphous was machine gunned in the stomach. I mean, you know, was disabled all the time. I mean, can you imagine? Watch Saving Private Ryan for five minutes, and 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 then then can you imagine what it was really like? It was that. I, I've been in some shit, and I couldn't imagine that shit. Yeah, I mean, everybody dying. People not not there. Do you know that for Memorial Day, folks? You see, because it, it seems that boomers like me, or you know, that's a real thing. We like World War II for some reason. We're history buffs, but you know, the the news would not show the pictures of the bodies. When you're seeing those bodies floating, you're only see, that's the good stuff. All there, all there was on the beach were people's asses, arms, legs, body parts, blood, gore, shit all over the place. You know, I mean, literally shit. People getting blown up, shit blown up, you know, people's body parts, just vaporizing all over the place. I mean, the, the Germans had that, you know, those beaches, you know, zeroed in for months. Every square foot was zeroed in. They didn't have to move the machine guns. They were zeroed in. They, they had an interlocking fire lanes. These guys had to go through that shit. Uh, a lot of these guys were, you know, were not the same in the head. And there was no thing for them called PTSD. They didn't have any PTSD. No, they, they didn't. They didn't talk about those things. Think of having to live through some of those things that people had to see. Yeah, a lot of those guys did a lot of drinking, a lot of booze. And, and for those you to, for people that might not understand, can you can you wonder why maybe they did? <laughs> you know, yeah, like it's insane. I mean, think about having to do those things and and certain things. You know, but that's when we look at the greater scheme of things. That's that that's the importance of Memorial Day is to remember people that whether you liked them or not in life or whether you thought they were the best people or whatever, they made a sacrifice and. Oh whether it was willingly to sign in and, and be a part of the military or not, they sacrificed and they sacrificed it for their country. You know, and in our case here, it's in the United States. Um, it's, they sacrificed it for this country, whether the cause was right, wrong or indifferent in our minds, they sacrificed it. Yeah. All gave some and some gave none. That's true. And, and uh, those guys didn't pull any punches. Uh, you know, it, it took a long time for a lot of those guys to put the war behind them and to be decent about things. I know my uncle Frank, don't go and, and ever tell him in the 60s or 70s, you know, when, when people were, when they were doves and hawks and saying, you know, this war, and you know, with the uh, people of Vietnam and blah, blah, blah. For him, people in Vietnam were Asian. And for him, he was in Guadalcanal. And then I had another uh, relative who was in the Bataan Death March and survived it. And Jesus. let me tell you something. Uh, you know, go check that one out because see, we're running out of time. That's where Japanese, uh, you know, Japanese soldiers at the time uh, believed in the, the code of the warrior, Bushido. So surrendering was a disgrace. So they felt they owed you nothing. They didn't owe you any food, any medical stuff. And. You know, if you got out of line, they they had samurai swords. I'm not making shit up. They they lop your head off, man. At the you know just for the hell of it, and they had a long history of doing that in China and other areas that they had uh, conquered, and they treated American soldiers like shit. So you tell these guys years later that had lived through that shit, 
And uh, you say, hey, you know, that was really terrible of putting, you know, Japanese Americans in internment camp. Whoa, that isn't a right thing that we did. But to these guys, they'd say, are you shitting me? So what? They were in a, you know, internment camp. Were they, were they starved? Did they, did somebody come in and lock? No, of course, we didn't do that. So, you know, you know what I'm trying to say, John? They saw things quite a bit differently. Oh, absolutely. And, right, and rightfully so at that time, you know? Yeah, right. You know, and, and you know, the, were the Germans, the SS, the SS didn't take any prisoners and, and, and shit like that. They'd murder people outright. Actually, we did the same thing many times. What do you think? Uh, you, you, when, when American soldiers were in certain positions that, you know, you couldn't take prisoners, people would say, you know, don't take any prisoners. You know, it's like code red and a few good men. Everybody knows what that means. Yeah, 10 guys tried to escape. It's hard stuff. And then, you know, uh, people, when Memorial Day comes around, depending upon the style of the of the military or political style at the time, a whole different set of memories comes with it. Some are very patriotic memories, like World War II, with pure patriotism, because it was a world war. And some are very dark, like the Korean War and the Vietnam War. So there were different different experience for the soldiers, and then some, you know, again a whole totally different war that you were involved in. You know, who would ever picture in America when I was a kid fighting people in the Middle East for Christ's sakes? What the hell? Are we, you know, what I'm trying to say? Yeah, it's like because that was something you know you you always equated probably in your in your time, of course, Europe, uh, you know, yeah, Asian Europe. countries, stuff yeah. like that. And here, and then here you have this whole new, this whole new animal that started to come out. What about the seventies, right? Late, late seventies. Yeah. So no, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Well, you know, uh, I hope people enjoyed the show. Uh, I, I think there's some, some controversial things in there. Not that the show has to be about controversy. Uh, I agree with you, John. Uh, so I, I don't think either one of us knows best on this one. I think that we're just looking at things generationally. I, I think we agree that, uh, today people are nice enough about the military, but I, I don't think they give a real shit about Memorial day. Yeah. In the true spirit of it. I mean, and, and I, don't, I don't paint people as evil with that. I just, I think they've lost touch with it. You know, they're thinking of the pandemic. They're thinking about jobs. They're thinking about their cell phone, you know, I think it's always been like that, though, even before times like presently how they are right now. I just think you might be right. Yeah, I I really do. I mean, and I don't fault anybody for that in any way, shape or form. I look at it differently, not because I served Mm -hmm. or I was in the military. I'm like you. I don't ever mention it to anybody, you know. Oh, I served. And I served a long time and I would have. Yeah, you know, I would stay a whole career if I didn't get hurt. But irregardless of that, you know, it didn't work out that way. And. What, what I had to do when I got out was like many other people I had to, I, I was lucky enough that I took the right steps when I was in to have a great career afterwards. But, you know, uh, other people don't always do that, but I don't know. I always thought, saw that when I was in, I don't fault anybody for that. I don't think anybody deserves any type of crazy uh, pat on the back and praising, you know, because they go up and they sign in to serve and stuff like that because it's like the, you know, some people might say that too with the with stuff with the COVID going around. I don't think 
anybody deserves an extra cookie for being a first responder either. I think it's an admirable thing. I appreciate and support them like I do the military. But why does everybody need a cookie for being something, you know, for doing one of those things? I agree. You know, that's just my that's just my thought. But in the greater scheme of things, I just look at it differently with people that have been lost and that, you know, have been taken from us and, you know, uh, from people that have served and have sacrificed on that. But I look at that for anybody and anything in life. It's it's just a different circumstance because Mm -hmm. here they're sacrificing it for a war or another cause. And that's a that's a little different, you know, to me. And I I take that with with a lot of it's, it's special to me. Um, not because I served, but because I know what it's like to see people that didn't get an opportunity to come home. Mm-hmm. And I don't forget that. Same here. And, you know, one of the things that uh, I'd like to close my my thing on the show, my, my part of the show here tonight is that uh, I talked about and you talked about the romanticizing of war. And war brings out uh, some very incredible qualities in people altruism, where people go out and they bring back their brother or sister in and they rescue them or they do tremendous things of bravery and acts of courage. And uh, they, they they just do courageous things that are unbelievable, you know, to protect their country, to protect their homeland, all those kinds of things. However, ultimately, it's the saddest thing I can think of. And every real soldier that I've ever known Anybody who's really been somebody in the military with a head on their shoulders, the last thing they want is a president or a leader or a situation where somebody's waving the flag and they're supposed to go kick ass. That uh, they don't want that because it's a big waste. It's a waste of money. It's a waste of manpower. It's a it's a waste of lives. And everybody that you love. Uh, when you're seeing somebody and they, they tell you that they're the enemy, I'll never forget when I was in the military, they, they, they always marginalize people. And uh, Charlie, Charlie in, in Vietnam, that's what, it, what, the, what the Vietnamese are called, Charlie. Charlie's going to get you. Charlie with this. And Char- so you never thought of that person as whatever their name was. You thought it's of them as, as this generalization. Yeah, you, well, you're marginalized. You're, you're marginalizing somebody. You're, you know, you're devaluing them. You're making them. It's a very careful thing that the military is doing. They're making them comical and bad and everything else, so that you can do at some point the undoable. Because most people, ninety nine percent of people, they don't want to shoot anybody or kill anybody or do any such thing like that. Uh, they don't even want to do that if they're motivated and their life depends upon it. And then they're in these situations and they have to do those things. But my point is, literally to a man, that other group of people that you're fighting, by and large, we paint them as monsters and evil, and they're painting us the same way. But they have mothers and fathers and sisters and brothers and pets and animals and all that kind of shit, you know, just like we do. And it's a tremendous waste. And to them, their cause is right. Yeah. And that's what we forget. Yeah. It's such a waste. You know? I would agree. And that's my thought on Memorial Day. It's a good thought, though. I gotcha. So you got anything else there, man? You going to close us out or what? 
Yeah, I hope you guys enjoyed the show. I enjoyed just listening, to be honest with you. It was nice for me to just sit back and listen and ask you questions about those times because I'm very generally interested in those times, you know, for other people. Uh, you know, I'm not a young guy anymore, but I'm not an old guy either. So I like to still learn and listen. And I think that's something um, I think that's something that our, our generations don't take advantage of enough is listening to other generations of people and how they grew up and their stories and stuff. And I think it's something that gets lost. So I enjoy just listening tonight, you know, more so than anything, just asking questions. I remember I would always do it with grandpa as a kid or his friends or people because um, it was always something that interests me. So. You know, if we have younger listeners, I would suggest that, you know, they maybe do the same sometimes with people. You can learn a lot by from somebody, but it's by listening to their stories a little bit and listening to their perspective. But don't forget, check us out every Sunday and every Wednesday. We got brand new episodes of Does Father Know Best. Make sure you subscribe to the show, please, on whatever platform that you listen on, whether it's iTunes, Spotify, Our Heart Radio, Google Play, whatever it might be, whatever you listen on, make sure you subscribe. And if you could, leave a rating and review on iTunes for the iTunes users. It helps with the algorithms for the show, helps our show get out there and get noticed more. Um, it's important. So we would always appreciate a five-star review for you all to do. So if you wouldn't mind go ahead and doing that for us, please go ahead and do us uh, do that for us. And also, we're on social media. Stan is at at S Wangland, W-A-N-G-L-U-N-D. And then I am at WWR Podcast on Twitter. And our emails for Stan is S Wangland at gmail.com. And I am at wwrpodcast.com at gmail.com for my email as well. I know Stan does a great show throughout the week called Just Thinking with Stan Wangland. Drops six brand new shows a week, every day but Saturday. I'm on more podcasts than I know what to even put out there for people. So if you just look me up on social media or if you look up on our website, rcpodnetwork.com, you will see all the different projects that I do um, as well. So we do a lot of different stuff in podcasting. We always hope you enjoy the episode. If you got any feedback for us, please let us know. We're always want to hear what you guys think. We hope you enjoyed the show. I know I enjoyed it, my friend. And uh, we're going to have another great episode on Wednesday as always, right? Yeah, this this, this was a good one. And, and folks, uh, thanks for letting me go down memory lane with you on it. It's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's great to go down memory lane sometimes and hear that stuff. Yeah. That's it's, my theory, and I'm sticking to it. Well, I hear what you're saying, brother. And since I was doing the tale telling, you know it's good for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you are getting older, so we do got to play with your That's ego. true, man. I, I've become grandpa, man. I mean, you know, if he would have been here, he would have been telling you about submarine shots to the belly and how they pulled all his teeth out, you know, in the Navy. And But that's for another show. <laughs> we can tell grandpa stories a million times over because uh, <laughs> if your grandfather was like mine, and uh, I'm telling you, there are there are a barrel of stories and fun, so that's all I'm going to say on that one. That'll be another that'll <laughs> be another day, another another time, man. Especially when you go to the bank and you beat those three kids up. That's so it. I'll leave that one at that one right there. But we'll catch you guys on another episode of Does Father Know Best on Wednesday. Until then, be safe, be good, be good to one yourself, and of course, be good to one another. I always like to end it with that. We thank you for listening, and you guys be safe, be good out there, and we will catch you on the next episode of Does Father Know Best? <laughs>